Hi there, I'm Scott Hamilton, Rockfile, back with another podcast review for your ears. Started several months ago going through the 007 box set in anticipation of the new movie coming out. Hopefully it eventually does come out and I'm taking my time. We're up to number 8, 1973's Live and Let Die. Guy Hamilton, the director, returned for this film. They knew that Sean Connery wasn't coming back after the last one because he just came back for one. And they had always wanted Roger Moore to play James Bond. He had played him on TV in the mid-60s, about 64 when they were making the first movie. He was just too busy to make the movies, so they picked Sean Connery. When Sean Connery exited on Her Majesty's Secret Service, they wanted him again for that, and Roger Moore couldn't do it. Finally, in 1973, he starred in Live and Let Die, and he played the role until the mid-80s. One of the more popular Bonds, obviously. And as a kid, and even today, this is probably one of my favorite James Bond movies, if not top of the list. I liked it when I was a kid because it was just different. You know, it had touches of black magic and voodoo, maybe. Not really, but, you know, and tarot cards. And it just had some weird characters that, although they had done some interesting things in the first seven movies, we really got to, you know, Dr. Kananga, Mr. Big, played by Yafet Kodo. He would go on to be one of the engineers on the alien Nostromo in 1979. Jane Seymour's very first role, she's absolutely gorgeous in the movie and great in the role as Solitaire. Um, Clifton James, <laughs> Sheriff Pepper, yeah, you remember him. Jeffrey Holder, the 7-Up guy. Turns out the dude was a ballet dancer, six foot six, had a long career, died six, seven years ago. Just great voice. If you were alive in the 70s and 80s and you saw a 7-Up commercial, you remember his, ah, 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 his voice. I mean, just, and his Baron uh, Samedi, uh, Kananga's henchman and uh, the leader of the voodoo cult, supposedly. Uh, he was great. He was fabulous. He was larger than life in that role. David Hedison plays Felix Leiter. If you remember the old 60s TV series Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, that's where he came from. Uh, and some of the regulars were back. Bernard Lee as M, Lois Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. They had a $7 million budget, and it went on to gross $161 million, <laughs> almost $162. And if you do that with inflation, that's about $900 million, almost a billion dollars. So this was an incredibly huge blockbuster for James Bond and pretty much cemented the fact that we would have James Bond movies forevermore. Um, Growing up watching 007 movies, I told you some of my earliest recollections of being in a drive-in theater was sitting in the back seat watching a James Bond movie with my parents in the front seat. I remember that. I just don't remember which movie. I could probably narrow it down a little bit. But um, watching them in order and seeing how they grow, how certain things kind of got locked in early about the character, how they would film or, or you know, the various locations, the money spent and all spent well, because these were not hugely budgeted movies back then. And just this one... It, I just remember it was everywhere at the time. I mean, I was a little kid, but I was already into it. And watching it now and, and seeing the things that stuck early, the things that came later, and how different this one was. You know, you have a same director, you have a lot of the same team, the same producers, a guy who had written several of the screenplays. Um, you know, it, it was all kind of, but the biggest change was like the opening song. Instead of being this... Uh, I don't know, lounge singer kind of song, it was Paul McCartney and Wings, <laughs> Live and Let Die. 
And they use the song a lot in the movie. It's over the opening credits. It's over the end credits. There's a woman who does a cover of it within the movie. They use it many more times than you would think uh, any of the previous theme songs. Themes from the previous theme songs got worked into the soundtrack, sure. But this was a rock band theme song, you know, and, and the themes and stuff got worked into the soundtrack. Uh, music was by George Martin, by the way. Go figure. And another thing that uh, this movie had <laughs> that previous Bonds didn't, it came out at the height of the black exploitation era. And many of the cliches and stereotypes and, and derogatory stuff like honky is used and pimp mobiles, black gangsters, and that kind of thing, you know. They kind of doubled down on that because it was in New Orleans and the Caribbean islands. And it was just interesting how this movie was pulling from its time to seem quite relevant and quite, you know. Uh, the song, by the way, I didn't mention was nominated for Academy Award as Best Original Song. And like I said, never. I mean, Goldfinger, yes. Well, I guess all the themes had, had gotten reused in the movies. But this this movie feels like the song really put a stamp on the entire production. It all just, it, it you know, the song was perfect. Um, the casting, the filming, it's great locations. This holds up so well as a James Bond movie, as a, as a fun flick from the early 70s. Um, like I said, it was a big hit. Reviewers liked it. People still like it. A lot of my friends, when I posted I was watching it, uh, that's my favorite one. And I didn't know that it would be because I've always said like Goldfinger is, is one of my favorites because that was where they locked in the car and the, you know, the bad guys. And anyway, um, but this watching it now and I'm in retrospect, I at, at the time when I was young, I loved the Roger Moore movies. Looking back on them now, I hardly ever watch Roger Moore movies. I nothing against Roger Moore. Um, my mom in '77 took me to see The Spy Who Loved Me. It was one of the first things that we did on our own when my parents were kind of not doing so well. Um, and and some of those movies do stick out, you know, because this was my childhood. I was coming up with James Bond as the movies were getting bigger and, and then we got Moonraker and that was, you know, uh, James Bond in space, which we never really needed. Um, but anyway, this reminded me that the early Roger Moore movies were in line with what Sean Connery had been doing and what those movies had been doing. And this is a great Bond film. This now, of all the ones I've watched so far, this is my favorite one. And there might be one or two that are slightly better films. But overall, this one is a good time, and a quick two hours goes by, and I loved it and can't wait to watch the next one. I just, you know, I'm not looking forward to things like A View to a Kill, but, you know, while we're in this this honeymoon period of these early James Bond movies, I absolutely love this one. So if you haven't seen it in a long time, rewatch it for the acting, for the 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 set pieces and just for the fact that it's a fun romp from beginning to end it's an interesting story it gets into some interesting things in new orleans and the caribbean um i liked it it had some gadgets had the girls had pretty much everything you want interesting though that you know um roger moore just like sean connery's character sleeps with people and then you know, does terrible things with them, to them, threatens them, that kind of thing, holds things. But it was a different time. And that's one of the things I like about watching older movies is they are time capsules. And this one, more than most James Bond movies, some of them kind of feel out of time. 
This one feels very much a product of its time. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, Live and Let Die. I loved it and, and really looking forward to watching it again one day. One of the things I'm doing in watching this box set is evaluating would I ever upgrade the entire set to 4K. These were original 4K restorations over 10 years ago that were done for the 50th anniversary. Um, and they look fantastic. The, there's a ton of extras on them. To be perfectly honest, I don't know how much better they can look. And I've, I've said that before. And then, you know, they, they do a, a new 4K restoration and apply HDR and things like that. And, and movies do look better. But um, this would be one that I would upgrade. I, I think it, it definitely would benefit from uh, a wider color spectrum and refinement of the grain and the and the darks and things like that because there's a lot of dark shots at night or in nightclubs and things like that this this would definitely be one i wouldn't buy the entire series in 4k i don't think but there were select movies and this would be one of them live and let die it's a true james bond classic a, a product of its era and time but still works within the mythology of the overarching uh, storyline that is 007 that we've come to know and love. So that's my review. Check it out if you've never seen it. If you're if you you know you're new to this James Bond thing, and I can't imagine anybody at this point in time is. Uh, this was definitely on the short list of ones that I would recommend. You know, you kind of have to see Doctor No. That's where things start off. Um, I would definitely say Goldfinger locks some things in. Thunderball for certain things, but that one is optional. Um, and this is definitely a must see if you're a James uh, becoming a James Bond fan. This should be one of the early ones you watch. It's, it's a great version of the character, even with some of the 70s isms that go on. I'm Scott Hamilton. I'm Rockfile. My website is therockfile.com. Thanks for liking, sharing, subscribing, and listening. Have a spectacular day.